I'm Katie Lee, former marketing director turned business owner. I help brands unify their digital presence to make an impact and connect with their customers. Through a storytelling framework, I'll help guide you to creating images that won't be forgotten and a brand that stands out from the rest. You're about to go on a journey with the brand strategist. Welcome back to the Katie Lee Show. This week, I have something a little different for you. A couple weeks ago, I ran a workshop for a local yoga company that really helped their teachers get a better understanding of how to utilize Instagram for their brands. So this episode is all about Instagram for your business, and I'm super excited to show you a sneak peek into this workshop and give you all the tools that you need to start using Instagram in a way that will not only connect with your customers, but help you grow your brand. Here we go, all about Instagram. So today we'll talk a little bit about why Instagram is great for your business and then how to set up your account so that it's gonna help your business um, as well as creating content, getting into the technical, st technical stuff of scheduling, analytics, um, and the algorithm. Um, and then we have tons of time for questions and answers throughout it or um, at the end, either or. Um, so first of all, Instagram um, is the intro into your brand. So I like to look at social media as if you're looking at a ladder of how people are interacting with your brand, it's really the first rung. It's how people get introduced to you, they might find out about you, and as they build trust with you there, they'll go to your website or your email list um, and start diving in deeper with your brand. So I like to think of it as like the first step of dating, uh, where you've just gotten to know the person, you might ask them out to go hang out and stuff, but you're not gonna propose to them when, they, when you're on Instagram. So Instagram's not your big point to try and convert people and get them to hand over money right away. It's really this point of getting to know you and building trust. Um, so the first part I wanna talk about is how we're gonna set up accounts to be um, the most effective in building your brand. So I first like to look at it as who your ideal customer is. And I do this for any form of marketing, um, is that you really need a clear understanding of who you're trying to get to, to buy from you or to follow you or interact with you. And so with that, I usually create some sort of client profile that I'll record um, and it needs to go fairly deep into who this person is. So I, I lay out the basics of like, what age are they? Are they in their 20s? Are they in their 30s? Are they male, female? Are they non-binary? Where in the world do they live? Just kind of the generic demographics of who you think your perfect customer is. Um, and then I get down into the nitty gritty of what their interests are. What do they like to do? What books do they read? What do they watch? Uh, what Instagram accounts are they already following? You can go into like what college they went to, what sports they're into. I mean, there's really no limit of what questions you can ask about who your client is. It's more for you to get a really deep feeling and understanding of who this person is so that as you create content and post it onto your Instagram account, you can answer these questions of like, is this person going to like it? Um, sometimes with uh, clients, I'll even have them, if there's not a client that you've already worked with that you know is like, this is my perfect client, client um, then sometimes I'll even come up with the idea of like a celebrity. So if like Meghan Markle was your perfect client or, um, you know, 
Jennifer Aniston, whoever it is, you can get kind of a more clear idea of who this person is and what their personality is like. And then as you're creating content, you can say, will Meghan Markle be interested in this that I'm about to post? And if the answer is no, then you steer away from posting it. And if the answer is yes, then obviously you continue to create more content that's like that. Um, and then the next thing you want to look at is, are you approaching a customer from their pain point or their pleasure point? And by that, I mean, um, you know, when we, when we think of pain points, you're thinking about, I have this problem and I need to fix it. And a pleasure point is more of like a luxury thing. It's like a treat yourself moment. So it kind of comes to a cross of like, is somebody having problems with like back pain or there's like a specific reason that they know that they need to be moving their body more, working out or getting nutrition, any of those things. And, and you're hitting a pain point. And more often than not, when we're working in marketing, it's often a pain point that we're marketing to. And so if we can identify and get really clear on that pain point, we can talk about it more and more, which connects with your customer because they want this specific pain point solved in their life. So from understanding your, who you're going to be serving, we then can create your boss bio. Um, and for that, we have a couple of different things that go into an Instagram bio. The first thing is that you just state who you are. If you are a nutritionist or if you want to identify as a yoga teacher, like what is it that the service that you're providing of who you are? And then you go into specifically who are you serving? So are you you're serving, are you focusing on women? Are you focusing on, um, you know, if, you're, if your specialty is prenatal yoga, then you're going to be focusing on pregnant women. Um, and then you want to finish it up with some sort of freebie that you'll provide them or some sort of you know, link to take them where you want them to go and convert. So if you have a newsletter list, then it's a great way to say like, here's a guide of, you know, five tips to fixing your nutrition. Or if you're a prenatal yoga teacher, then it might be, you know, five tips to, uh, for your breathing during labor or something like that, that they can then go sign up for your email list, get the freebie. And now you have their email to continue marketing to them. If you don't have anything set up like that, you can always offer the Ohana freebie of doing a 14-day free trial and getting people to sign up for that so that they can come and experience your class through Ohana. That's also an option. Um, so here are a couple examples of what that looks like, what a, a great boss bio is looking like. Um, these are not clients that I've worked with, but just people that I found off of Instagram that I thought did a really great job with this. So the first one, she identifies that she's a holistic nutritionist and any sort of certification that she has. Um, she's also a Pilates instructor and trainer. Then she goes into saying who she serves. She, she helps women transform their health with real food and Pilates. The next one is an educator and yoga teacher. Um, if you have space in your bio, it's always great to leave a location to, especially if you're, if you're meeting with people um, in person. If you're not, if you're just staying in the digital realm, then you don't necessarily need to say where you're living. Um, and then it goes into what, how, who she serves, and she serves busy people, and she helps them reclaim joy and cultivate their own wellness. And then you'll see that she also offers the freebie, free 30-day meditation journal. And then the final one is a creative business coach, and she teaches ambitious women to build heart-forward business with purpose. And right now she's, she's looking for people to join her coaching. So I think these are some great examples of what it looks like to build a bio that lets people know exactly who you are 
and what you're going to do to serve them. And then if you want to really push it, um, the top line, so where their names all are, where it says Adriana or Leslie Joy and Wellness, that's the perfect place for SEO titles. So if your name is in your handle, um, then that space where they are putting their names is a great place to say yoga instructor or prenatal yoga so that when people are typing in the search for those words, your, your accounts will come up higher in the list because that ranks higher in the SEO of Instagram. So that's just a great little extra bonus place to be able to be found for the specifics that people are looking for. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to starting to create your content, I like to come up with nine categories of subject matter that I'll post in. Now, this makes it really easy to be uh, consistent in the type of content that you're posting to social media so that when people come to your account, they, they know exactly what they're going to be getting from it. But it also is a really easy way for you to come up with ideas uh, for you to post. I mean, we've all sat there and been like, I need to post Instagram today, but I have no idea what to post. And so by having these nine categories, it really helps in creating that clear scheduling for you. And the reason I choose nine, you can really choose anywhere from nine to 12. Um, but when you first get onto Instagram and you see the feed, you'll usually see nine squares to begin with. And the idea is to have one square represent each of your nine categories. Um, of course, you can do more. You can do it however you'd like, but this is how personally I usually stick with nine to 12 and I usually suggest it just so that you can really keep a consistent feed going on. Um, and then the idea within choosing your nine categories is that you're going to choose content that your ideal customer that you created at the beginning is looking for. So what kind of content are they wanting to see? So you might do like pose breakdowns. You might talk about nutrition and how that goes alongside with yoga. You might ha um, have one that's just quotes to give people inspiration. You might talk about sustainable practices that align with your yoga practice. You might give book suggestions. Um, I also go into like, I think having family or personal things that resonate with people and make them feel connected to you on a personal level are always a great thing to have. And of course, however much you're willing to share, you're welcome to share on Instagram. But if you don't want to show photos of your kids or of your family members, then even just photos of yourself and talking more about personal things um, of what you like to do and weekend plans, you know, not nothing too personal, but still allows your customers to be able to connect with you. Um, so I have listed here an example of a nine, which is nutrition and cooking, yoga poses, quotes, sustainability, books your family, tea, meditation, and gardening. So of course, there's a million more things that you guys could choose from. Um, so if none of those resonate with you, you just gotta find the things that maybe you even see on your own Instagram accounts, um, the type of posts that are working for you right now, and those would be categories that you wanna add moving forward. All right, so now that we've got a rough idea of content and we've built a profile that's really gonna be successful, it now becomes about getting found. And the easiest way to get found is through hashtags. So for hashtags, I like to have a strategy of three different types of hashtags that I use. So geographic are gonna be the hashtags that name the location you're in. 
Again, if you're not focused on doing them in person, you don't necessarily need geographic hashtags, um, but they're still a great thing to know about or if you wanna be able to build a following in Colorado so that you can do other events and you know, special programming, then it's still a great thing for other people to discover you. So geographic hashtags are gonna be anything like Denver Yoga, Colorado Fitness, Lakewood Workout. They're really specifying the space that you're in, whatever city or area of Denver. Um, and it can go on to, to say what you're doing, like yoga or fitness, or you can just find some of the other uh, well-used Denver and Colorado hashtags. These ones get specific enough that when people are really looking for yoga that's near them, these are the hashtags that they're going to be looking for. Then you get into content-specific hashtags. And these are the type of hashtags that are explaining what's in the post. So based on what you talked about in your caption or what's in the image, you're going to create these hashtags around that. So if you're doing a tutorial, you might talk about yoga tutorial, you might talk about um, asana, everyday flow, things like that. Um, if you're talking about, you know, an Ayurvedic recipe you just, you just uh, photographed and wrote a caption about, then you would do hashtags that are all about Ayurveda or the specific ingredients that you used in that recipe, or if it's dairy-free or vegan, any of those kind of things are going to be content-specific. Finally, we get into the community hashtags. Now, these are the hashtags that you think your ideal customer is going to be a part of. So these are ones that they are going to be searching for because they like the content. So Asana Practice, My Yoga Journey, Yoga Tribe, those are all fairly popular ones that I've found. Um, but I'm sure that there's more and, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be yoga. If you found that your ideal customer is an avid, you know, mountain biker who likes to do yoga on the side, you might find communities that fit within the mountain biking community. So within each post, you have up to 30 hashtags that you can use. And I like to try and to separate it, at, not necessarily even, but get at least a few of each of these within those 30 hashtags. And of course, with Instagram, there is like, you don't have to use the 30, but they don't penalize you for using the, the full 30. So as close to 30 hashtags that you can get is always recommended. So when I'm doing hashtag research, I'm looking for hashtags that have been used enough that my content's gonna get discovered, but haven't been used too many times that it gets lost in all of the other posts. So when I am writing down the hashtags I wanna use, I'm looking for uses between 50 and 500,000. I would say at most you could get up to like 900,000, but once you get past that, your, your images usually just get lost in the, the number of posts that are happening in those hashtags. Um, and then Instagram did a bunch of updates this week. And so one of my favorite fe features, which was recommended hashtags, they've discontinued, so that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so my new way of doing it is I will go over, I will find a hashtag that I like. And if I want to find similar hashtags, I'll go into some of the top posts and see what they use for hashtags on that post. And then click on those and see how many number of uses they've been getting. Um, I also recommend updating your hashtags every three to four months because some hashtags will start to get overused and you'll find that they go over that 900,000 limit pretty quickly. So you want to make sure that you're using fresh hashtags that are going to keep you at the, the front of the, of the search. And then I just keep a 
a note in my phone that's divided by different topics that have the hashtags underneath all of them. So you might have a section that's your, you know, when you post a recipe, these are the hashtags you use, or when you post a tutorial, these are the hashtags you use. And so I have like 10 or 20 that are just listed on a note, and then I can copy and paste them as soon as I post a new uh, photo. So here's an example of that. This is, um, this is an example of my personal notepad of the hashtags that I use. So these categories are lovely, style, sustainability, and memories. And then, you know, I'll have anywhere from like five to 10 usually within any given section. And then they're really easy just to go ahead and copy and paste and throw into posts. Um, and I like to leave them only having a few in each category. That way you can mix and match depending on the post and you're not just doing one same lump sump. Um, the algorithm does notice when you use the exact same hashtags over and over again. So it's a good idea to give it variety. Um, and then this is the flow that I go through in order to find um, new hashtags is I'll go to a hashtag I like, like, like yoga lifestyle, and then I'll click on one of the top images and then you can scroll down in their comments and you'll usually find a big bundle of hashtags together. And then I'll kind of just click through some of those and see which ones are doing really well. Once you go through four or five of the top images, you'll start to see a lot of the same hashtags being used by them. And you'll know that those are going to be your top hashtags to use too. All right. So I would say the number one thing I would want you guys to take away from today is all about consistency. It's really the thing that's going to get growth in your social accounts. So consistency comes from which days you post, um, how often you post, and then the type of content that you're creating. So I like to use a program like later where I can schedule things out. And I know that I personally post once every day, but maybe you decide three times a week is perfect for you. And you're going to post Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. So as long as you're keeping to that schedule so that your audience always knows that like, oh, they're going to be having a post today and then creating the type of content that fits. So it's kind of like, I know what to expect when I sign up to follow you, that I'm going to be getting this specific type of content. And as soon as that changes, the agreement between us has changed and I might choose to unfollow you. So making sure that there's this consistency of when you're posting, how often you're posting, and um, the type of content you're posting is gonna be really key. And you'll start to see more growth based on that. All right, so I'd like to pause here and see if there are any questions that you guys have or anything you want me to go further on based on the first section we talked through. Everyone feels good? All right, we'll keep moving on through then. All right, so now we're gonna talk about content creation. So the first thing about building um, a following is gonna be a engagement. So when you're wanting people to engage on your accounts, my number one recommendation is to engage on other accounts the way that you want to be engaged on. 
So if you're wanting people to be commenting on your posts, then you need to be commenting on a lot more posts. I find that you'll get about 10% back that you put in. So if I like 100 photos, I'm going to get about 10 likes back. And so it's all about following hashtags that you think your person is um, tagging things in. So it's a little bit different than when you're creating hashtags on your post, you want those to be the ones that your audience is following. But when you're following hashtags, you want it to be the hashtags that your customer is posting. And so I like to follow a handful of those just so I get fresh content coming into my feed that's easy to just comment on as I go. And I try and comment on as many posts as I can within, a, you know, I'll schedule like 20 minutes a day to just dedicate to Instagram. And that's when I go ahead and do a ton of commenting, do a ton of liking. And the number one rule when it comes to comments is that you want to use four words or more. If it's less than four words, the algorithm doesn't really count it as a comment. So making sure that it's high quality co comments that you're leaving behind. And if you can, leaving questions so that they'll comment back and keep the engagement going. The same goes for when people post on your own account. So when you get a comment on a photo, even if it's just an emoji or if it's a couple of words, making sure you respond to every comment that you get and responding with four or more words. Again, leaving with questions and making it so that they have to comment back is always gonna do better for you because it's gonna increase the amount of comments you're getting on any given post. All right, so then Instagram stories. Um, now, Instagram stories has, been, has become a really big part of Instagram. And if you notice this week, they also just launched Instagram Reels, which I haven't even gotten a chance to really utilize yet. But it's essentially TikTok that they've added to Instagram. Um, and there's a lot of speculation of whether or not, in, uh, whether or not TikTok is even going to stick around now that Reels is in Instagram. Um, but the idea around these is they're, they're more fresh ways to create content. And I would say... Instagram stories right now is still super powerful, but because Reels is new, it's gonna weigh a little heavier in the algorithm. So if you have time to create the videos and content in Reels, I definitely suggest playing with it and trying it out and see how it affects your, your engagement rates and your growth over time. Again, just like everything, you gotta be consistent with it. So if you're gonna start using Reels, I'd suggest like commit to doing it once a week, twice a week, and do it for you know, two or three months and see how it goes before you decide that it's not the thing for you. Because um, that's really when you're gonna start seeing some, some change of things. It's also new, so a lot of people are still figuring out how to, how to watch it and how to interact with it. Um, but because it's weighing a little bit heavier on the algorithm, it's gonna push it to the top of people's feeds because they want people interacting with Reels. So Instagram stories is still this like, you know, I mean, I even personally get lost in stories because you just start watching one and it goes to the next and they're so entertaining that it's a really great way to get people to start looking at your content. So I look at, it, at stories as a story. There should be a middle, a beginning, a middle, and an end. So three parts. It can be more than three posts, but I usually find that when somebody just posts one image, I feel like I'm missing something. Like I always want a little bit more. So I always think starting with three is a great baseline for how many stories you should post. And you can have content that really goes anywhere. Again, I'd stick with the type of content you're posting to your feed. So if you have something that fits within your nine categories, of course, Instagram stories don't last forever. So if the content isn't quite the same, it can still be a little bit more loosey-goosey there. 
but behind the scenes are always great. Um, you know, yoga tutorials are going to be great. Um, anything that's quick and easy that you can show people. I think showing like the spaces that you work in or the tools that you use or, you know, a question that one of your students asked you and you want to answer it on Instagram stories, anything like that, I think is great. And then getting people to engage with your stories is the next step. So Instagram stories has these great little stickers where they have like polls or ask a question or um, take a quiz, any of those things where people just have to tap on a button and it's them engaging. And that, that ranks a lot higher in the algorithm. So I like to every once in a while do a little game with people. I think I put an example in here of like this week I posted, would you rather? And I posted um, the first question, would you rather go camping or go to a resort? And then people vote on those. And so I have three or four slides where people get to vote which thing that they would rather do. And then afterwards I can go in and see who voted for which thing and send them a message. So people who voted for camping, I agree I would rather go camping. So I'd send them a quick message and just say, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And that message, when they see it, will also show the story that they had voted on the poll for so that it, it's in context. But I'll go through and I'll respond to as many people as possible who voted on these polls so that I can be engaging with them and they feel like I'm a human and they want to interact with me and it might get them to start actually following me. So that's, so that was Instagram stories. And now we're going to go into the longer format, which is going live. So going live is so great because the more that you do it, the more you'll start building an audience of people that are going to show up and watch you live. Now, if you can do it at the same time every week so that there's this expectation that I know at Tuesdays at 2 PM, they're going to teach me a meditation or we're going to talk about nutrition or whatever it is. There's, there's more of this ability for people to schedule and watch you live. Now, the great thing about going live is you can then save the content and add it to Instagram, um, IGTV afterwards. So that content isn't just going to go away. It can be used again and again. And the suggestion that I usually make to people is to go live on Instagram and use another device to go live on Facebook. And then you can download the video and you can upload it to YouTube or you can upload it to other places. Um, if you want to be able to reuse that content in a lot of places, um, Instagram TV is also, you can embed it. So if you write blog posts and you want to write a blog post about, you know, how yoga poses for back pain, and you just did an Instagram live that was about that, you can then embed the Instagram, the IGTV class into your blog post so that it's getting reused there. And then the views on that still get counted towards Instagram to be building your engagement there. So lives are great. You're wanting to do anything from, you know, 10 to 60 minutes is ideal for live because it has to be a minimum of 10 minutes in order to get put into IGTV. So building that up, but it can't be more than 60. It won't, IGTV doesn't allow for more than 60. So, you know, 10 to 60 minutes is great. I found that a lot of the lives I like don't ever go over 30 minutes. They're pretty short. Um, just because watching on a phone, you kind of get tired of doing it after a long time. So I think setting up stuff that's like mini courses of how to specifically help a certain part of your body or going through meal planning or sitting through a meditation, any of those things are really easy to do. Um, and they'll, they're great content that can be used over and over again. 
And if you, if you go live like every Tuesday and you do a meditation every week, you're going to build up this beautiful arsenal of on-demand videos in your IGTV that people can then go find a meditation that they need. And so it's going to really help as you want to continue to build that engagement. Um, and then another way to find uh, ideas for content on your live is to think about the commonly asked questions that you get from students or family of, you know, when they're asked, when they're talking to you about what you do, what, what are they asking you the most about? Like I have a pose that, you know, I have uh, on my period, what, what do I do for cramps? Or I, you know, I sit at a desk all day. What should I do for posture? Any of those kind of questions are great questions to take note of because they're, they're perfect content to either be writing captions about in your Instagram posts or creating tutorials through Instagram Live to save to IGTV. All right, so we're heading into my third section and I just wanna stop and see if anyone has some questions that they'd like to ask. Katie, is it normal if you do an Instagram Live that happens to go over 60 minutes for it to delete the video altogether and not let you save it? Um, yeah, it won't let you. It might cut you off at 60 minutes, but I'm pretty sure it, it'll just, it goes away. So the, the benefit of if you did it live on Instagram and on Facebook, that Facebook, it'll, it'll save and then you can download it. And then you can always like clip out the portions that's within 60 minutes that you want to upload to IGTV. So I personally, I just think it's a great way to just do both. You're going to get content on both your, your Facebook page and your Instagram. And then it, it gives you more ways to utilize that content. I've got a question. Um, Lena, is that answer yours before I ask the next? So question, what the hell was I going to say? Oh my God. Um, oh, selfie cam. So Instagram live is the selfie cam. Is mm -hmm. Facebook live selfie cam too? Uh, I would think so. Yeah, probably. So for us as instructors, if we're doing anything delineating the body, using the selfie cam, we have to mirror. Versus like here on Zoom, it's not the selfie cam, so you don't have to mirror. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can set it up with Facebook. I mean, I've only done Facebook Lives on like a desktop, in which case there's only one camera. Yeah, um, so maybe. And, and odds are, I, I think it would record the same way. I've never thought of it that way. I haven't, I haven't done it. When I was teaching, it, it was the, I, I didn't have to mirror it was like kind of flip my movement sorry I know it's really loud where I'm at right now but it would flip things where I did not have to mirror on Instagram really uh-huh so I think there might be a setting in there that you can do or something with your selfie cam so that it it automatically flips it but I, it was always the same so I would do right side and it would look right Okay, that's awesome to know because so I'm going to start teaching meditations on Mondays 
and I was just going to have like basically a letter board saying like, you know, Monday meditation, all are welcome. But I was thinking through the selfie camera view that it would actually have to be reflected because you wouldn't be able to read that. Yeah, we, I mean, I can do a little bit more digging too to get you an answer for that. The other option always is that you can use your, uh, instead of the selfie cam, you can use the other cam and just set it up on a tripod. Yeah. So you just won't be able to see yourself. Right. Um, so you can like check the view, use the normal camera, like have, yeah. if there's like a message or, you know, something. I think just from, for all of us, from a branding perspective, if there is, um, especially if you're creating similar highlights, like if you're doing posture breakdowns and that's a highlight and then you're doing, um, you know, like FAQs and that's a highlight and that sort of thing. If you can actually start to think about the design of those, um, where there's cohesion, it will make it like a, a really polished finished product. Yeah. And and saving stories for highlights, the other great thing about highlights is there is no limit to how many you can have. It's just that the, the most recent ones are going to be at the beginning of your highlights. Um, so, you know, I usually like, I keep within the, so many categories so that the stories will get saved in there and there's only so much you can look through. Um, so they get added onto each other. But yeah, I mean, I love that idea of creating a cohesion so that as you're watching the stories, like I know that this was one grouping. And then this, this one that you posted three weeks later still feels like it moves within that. Awesome. Are there any other questions that are coming up? I have one more question about um, the live feed. Yeah. And if it has to like live in your Instagram feed or if you can kind of like delegate all of the lives to something else you know, like a different area? Does the IGTV have a different screen or does it have to be on your main feed? No, so you can choose to post the IGTV. So basically you'll choose a cover photo and it'll show up within your feed, um, which is usually recommended because you'll get more views. The few times that I've posted and you can choose not to have it in your feed, um, it doesn't perform nearly as well. You just don't get as many views. So people can go over to my IGTV section and see all my videos but for sure the ones that are in feed are the ones that people are, it's going to get the highest engagement and the most number of views. So what are you using to produce your cover for the IGTV? Like how are you editing this together? Um, so for me, I haven't done as many lives. Um, I usually just create a video and upload it. And then for the cover, you have the option to upload or you just scroll through the video and find a good spot that looks nice, which is usually what I do because it's easier. Um, that still goes with my feed and is flattering, not me in the middle of an awkward word where I look very silly. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yeah, so you're doing just like a real-time shot, like a, a, yeah. a preferred shot instead yeah. of like taking it into a different editing tool to then like package right. it and put it back on. Yeah, everything like so when you're when you're going live, your option is just going to be to it's going to go ahead and save it to IGTV, and then you're just going to scroll through and choose a cover shot for it. Um, if you're uploading a video, um, I th I'm pretty sure. And either way, I'm pretty sure you can upload a, co a cover photo for it. 
but for time's sake, it's always, for me, it's always just been easier to go ahead and just scroll through and find the most flattering photo. Cool, any other questions? All right, we'll keep going then. All right, so now we're going to get some more into the algorithm and analytics. So basically, the algorithm is looking at how much time people are spending on the app. So any, any action that takes more time is going to rank higher on the algorithm. So sending somebody a message, saving a post into your bookmarks, commenting, those are going to rank a lot higher than likes. Likes are something that Instagram are in the process of getting rid of altogether. Um, there's been a lot of issues with bullying and bro bots and all this kind of stuff that comes with how many likes hit a, hit a post that they have been trying in the last couple months and it looks like they're kind of leaning towards that way um, to get rid of showcasing the number of likes a photo gets. You'll still have the ability to like it. Um, and I, as the content creator, I think I'll be able to still see how many people liked it, but publicly, nobody else will be able to see how many, how many likes a photo got. So that's kind of where Instagram looks like it's heading towards. Um, but the, the things that take the most amount of times are, are what you're really pushing for people to do. So you want people to be sending you direct messages. This is also a great way for you to be connecting with people one-on-one. -on -one. So in your comments, uh, when you're creating a caption, you really want to create a call to action of what people should do to this post. Do you want them to like the post? Do you want them to comment on the post? Do you want them to save the post? Do you want them to direct message you about something that you wrote in your caption? So in almost every, well really in every caption, you should have some sort of call to action. Um, it could also be hitting the link in your profile, um, any of those kind of things. And sometimes like a fun way to do it is really easy of like, if you ask people just to go ahead and give you an emoji of how this photo makes you feel or, um, you know, you can ask a question of, would you, do you like A, B, or C? And then people can either just type in A, B, or C in there. And while those single word uh, comments aren't going to rank super high in the algorithm, it gives you a chance to then respond to those comments and for them to write back to you with longer comments. So it's a little bit of a longer game, but the more that you can get people to engage and it, and it warms them up because it's really easy for me to write a, B, or C, or put a single emoji in, and then for you to engage and me be like, oh, this is a real person, I wanna connect with them, and now I'll engage even more by commenting back to them. Um, so the idea is that with Instagram, it's all about the amount of time you spend on the app. That's really what they're here for. They want you on their app as long as possible. So the more time that you're on the app engaging, uh, you know, posting content, creating content, any of that kind of stuff, you'll also start to rank higher in the algorithm because Instagram recognizes that you're on the app for so much time. And then of course, the content that you create is always going to be your number one way to, to beat the algorithm. Like if you're creating the content that the ideal customer that you created in the beginning wants to see, they're going to continue to engage on that. They're going to continue to share it and your audience will build and that'll just continue to rank you higher and higher in the algorithm. And so when you're thinking about the content, sometimes it gets really hard that you want to post the things that you're excited about and that mean a lot to you. But you have to always go back to that question of, does my ideal customer care about this content? 
Is this something that they need to know? Is this something they want to hear? If it's just me, because I'm like, oh, you know, I did this really cool thing today, but does, you know, Mary Jane, who I created this profile, does she really care that I went, you know, and played soccer with my next door neighbor? Probably not. All right, so I'm not gonna post that. I'll save that for a personal account or for Facebook or to text a picture to my mom. Any of those things work too. Moms are great with engaging too. So if you need more engagement on your account, tell your mom to follow you, tell her to get an Instagram account, tell her to follow you. <laughs> She's usually your number one person of engagement. All right. So looking at analytics within your app, um, the first thing is, is you do need to be signed up as a business with Instagram. It's super easy. You can go into your settings and just switch from personal to business. Uh, there's some people who say that the engagement changes once you become a business. I haven't seen that, but I also don't have a, you know, 100,000 person following. So if you get really high amount of followers, it could change. Uh, but the things that you're able to do by having a business account, like if you run Facebook ads, you can connect them to Instagram um, and then being able to see the analytics, that kind of stuff for me means more to me. And I'd like to be able to see that instead. So uh, the first thing you'll see when you come in is you'll see your content and how many views you're getting. So you'll see the number of people that have seen each post. Um, and this will give you an idea of what hashtags are working or what time of day is working. Those are kind of the two things that are probably gonna be feeding in to the number of views here. So if you can start understanding the times of day you're posting, I pretty much post every day at 9 a.m. Um, there's a few days I forget to and it ends up in the afternoon. I know that if I post at 12 p.m., I will get no engagement whatsoever. It's like post at 9 a.m., post at 3 p.m., or don't post it at all. Now that's not to say that that will work for your audience. Um, you'll wanna go in and see in your analytics when your audience is most active. So um, within the first one under content, you'll be able to see your post engagement as well as stories. So here's the place where you can see how many people see, saw your stories and if the hashtags you used in your stories worked, as well as the same thing I did before where I would go and see people who interacted by taking a poll or engaged with my stories. You can do that through here. You'll just click on the individual story and then swipe up and it'll show you everybody that interacted and then you're able to message them personally. Uh, so then under activity, um, here's where you'll see, um, you know, the number of people that you reached. So you'll see that like I reached a lot more on Monday than I did any of the other days. It'll also tell you a comparison based on the week before so that you can understand how you're doing week over week. Um, as you scroll down, it'll tell you about interactions. So the number of interactions people took on your account that week from profile visits to website clicks to people who emailed you directly or direct messaged you. And then in the final one is your audience. So here you'll see, um, it'll show you the growth of people, the number of people who followed you, who unfollowed you. So you kind of get an understanding of where, how you're working. And then it'll go into the specifics of the location, the age range, the gender, and then when you should post. So it'll go all the way down to like, here's how many people were on that looked at your account during these times on these days. So it gives you a really clear understanding of what times you should be posting and on what days. Um, another thing I found personally is like my weekends 
don't get as much engagement as my weekday. So if I wanted to not post on the weekends, it probably wouldn't hurt me. And I could just focus on posting during the week. So all of this insight is really great to dive into. And I would even suggest really diving into the audience, especially as you're creating your ideal customer profile, um, because this will already tell you who is interacting with your account and who you're already speaking to. Now that doesn't mean that can't change. Like if you have a majority of men who are 65 plus following your account right now, and you want to be hitting a client profile of 25 to 34 who are half women, half men, you can still start changing your content to fit that, but it's also good to know where you are right now. So I know that I'm 25 to 34 year olds who are mostly women, which kind of fits with what the things that I do. And, you know, I work with outdoor and sustainable brands, helping with marketing strategy and commercial photography. So I personally would like my profile to be pretty even between men and women. Um, but the age range is fitting there. It, it might be better for me if I go up a little bit in the age range, but all of that kind of stuff is really clear for me to see here so that I know what's working and what's not. All right. And then um, another tool that's really great that I recommend to a lot of people is Later. Um, so I just use the free profile. If you sign up for the paid, which is like $7 a month, you can, you get more posts that you can schedule per month. So on the free, you get like 30 posts a month and then like really basic analytics. Um, but it stores all your photos in one place. So it's really easy to drag and drop. You can like type out on a computer instead of typing on your phone for your captions. And then there's some cool ways that you can store your hashtags in the app as well, just to make it easier for like one click, all of your different categories of hashtags. Um, so if you pay the extra money, you can get a lot more analytics, but even if you do the free, you'll, you'll get this profile or you'll get this view, um, which gives you a really good breakdown of every image and how it did for you. So if you click on it, you'll, you'll see more. I'll see the full caption. You see the photo. And then I can see how many people liked and commented on it, the percentage of my audience that engaged, um, how many followers I had at the time that it was looked at, so all of that is really valuable information. And a key thing to remember for engagement is the goal of engagement is to be having three to 5% engagement. Um, so the higher your following is, it's actually harder to keep a higher percentage of engagement. So as you're starting with a lower following, it's important now to be building up that engagement and teaching your audience what you want them to do, which is gonna be around commenting, saving posts, interacting with stories and direct messaging you. And as you continue to build that up, as your following grows, you'll then stick with the higher percentages of engagement. Uh, but just know that if you're anything above a 3%, you're, you're doing really well. Um, which is, you know, because it's one of those lower percentages, you always think that that's not good enough, but it's great. All right, so that's everything that I had prepared for you guys, but I'm happy to keep going through any questions that you can come up with. Katie, can you take us through the first section of slides? I had some comments back there that I should have put in chat and I completely forgot what they were. Cool, yeah. Let's go to the beginning.
So we started with creating your ideal customer and then building your boss bio. This boss bio I thought was fascinating, especially the um, like the freebie, duh, you know? Mm -hmm. So the whole, the whole point that social media has for your brand is building a relationship and building trust. So the more that you can give to your audience, the more trusting they're going to be and, and the more they're going to want to support you. So the, the accounts that I go to the most are people that when I direct message them and they could have 300,000 followers, it doesn't matter. They always respond back to me. I'm almost never going to unfollow them because I have a question about marketing and there's a marketing person that I go to. I have a question about photography. There's a photography person I go, that, go, that always responds. Even if it's just two or three words, because I know they're pressed for time, it means the world to me that they're always responding. So the same is with, with comments. If, if I comment somewhere and people don't engage back, I'm more likely to start unfollowing them after so long because the idea is to be social. You want the interaction. You want to feel like you're connected to them. And so if I'm not getting the responses back, I don't, I don't feel connected and I don't, I don't want to support them as much. So that's where the freebie comes in too, is that when I'm first getting onto an account and I know this is an account that's going to help me with whatever pain point that I have, um, I want to see A, that they know what they're talking about and B, that they're going to offer me something without asking me to pay for something first. And that's where a freebie comes in. How was that? A lot of information in not a ton of time, but that doesn't mean that you can't re-listen to it as many times as you need to really get clear on how you can be using Instagram for your business. Now, the one struggle with the podcast is there are no visuals. So if you'd like to check out the deck that I used for this workshop, you can head on over to thekatielee.com forward slash Instagram dash business and download the deck, take a look around at it, get some visuals, get some more tips and inspiration, and feel free to reach out to me and DM me on Instagram at the real Katie Lee. And I'm happy to answer any of your Instagram questions. So hop to it, start working on those Instagram profiles. And I can't wait to see how you start growing your business.